0: This is Future You with Jeff Salingo and Michael Horn.
1: Hi, I'm Michael Horn. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Entangled Ventures and a co-founder and distinguished fellow at the Clayton Christensen Institute, joined here by Jeff Salingo for our podcast, Future You. And Jeff, uh, I get to interview you here, actually. You're often the interviewer. I'm curious, how did you get into higher education originally? Where was your start? Well, Michael, it's great to be here, and uh, I'm
0: looking forward to joining you on a regular basis uh, for this podcast, uh, Future You. We're here today at the street-side studios of Arizona State University's new D.C. Center, here at the corner of uh, of 18th and and I. And I got my start in higher education uh, reporting uh, not too far from here, just a couple blocks over on 23rd and M Street here in Washington, D.C., for the Chronicle of Higher Education. Uh, 20 years ago, actually, uh, uh, back in a little more than 20 years ago in 1997, I started at the Chronicle uh, at the time when uh, they were just kind of really getting on the web. You know, the, web, the website chronicle.com was fairly new, and uh, I was hired as a daily reporter for their daily uh, news newsletter, uh, which is now, you know, incredibly uh, popular. So after about a year there uh, doing that, I, I stayed at the Chronicle and, and went into uh, covering state politics for them. And over the course of sixteen years there uh, reported on everything from from state higher education policy to leadership issues and money issues in in higher education and eventually ended up as editor uh, for four years but uh, but higher education to me is kind of a a fascinating, uh, a kind of a fascinating industry to, to cover, and it's not something that I ever thought I would spend 20 years doing. How about you? How did you end up getting into
1: this business? Total dumb luck on my end. I, I uh, You know, we, we share something, Jeff, right, which is that I wrote for my college newspaper, uh, uh, so I had a, a reporting background, no. uh, went to work for David Gergen for several years no. uh, as his research assistant, uh, uh, chronicling American politics and, and things of that nature, and ran away from it, uh, from uh, writing in public policy to business school. And while there, I took Clayton Christensen's class on disruptive innovation, and it totally changed the way I saw the world. And at the end of class one day, he literally to the class announced, I had this opportunity to write a book with me on public education. Anyone interested, stop by. And I stopped by. And that book was on public K-12 education, what became Disrupting Class about uh, 12, 13 years ago Mm -hmm. we started. And And then very quickly, it became obvious that these ideas of disruptive innovation had maybe more relevance in the field of higher education than they did in K-12 schools. And so very quickly started getting immersed in it uh, through the work of the Clayton Christensen Institute. And then it became a bit of an addiction. I I, I love the area. It, It occurred to me that in college, I had done a lot on higher education as well. And uh, it's an area I'm pretty passionate about trying to create a more student-centered future. Yeah, you know, I, as you mentioned, I, I was I covered uh, higher
0: education as, a, as an editor at the Ithacan, where I went to undergraduate uh, college at uh, Ithaca College, where I now serve on the board of trustees. So it's kind of interesting that when I was a student newspaper reporter, I was always after the board of trustees, and now I'm a member of that institution. So it's kind it, of it, interesting. It's
1: funny because, so I, I was on the Yale Daily News, I was the managing editor there, and, and uh, but when I was a reporter, I covered the president and the trustees. And the big story was always, could you break what the corporation was going to talk about at its meeting, as though that was groundbreaking information at the time. You know,
0: and I've now been to a lot of trustee meetings because I get to speak to trustees often, and I'm now amazed at when you, like, really open up the curtain, what really happens at those meetings, and to be honest with you, sometimes it's not much. Uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of uh, interesting, but it's, it's great to be here with you, and, you know, I have a Clay Christensen moment in my own uh, uh, career, and, you know, back in 2011 when he was about to do Disrupting University. Right, yeah, the, yeah, Innovative University. Innovative University. Yeah. Uh, he called together a group at HBS. So There's probably about 50 of us in the room. Paul yeah. LeBlanc at Southern New Hampshire invited me up because uh, they're close. And, uh, and, you know, I was editor at The Chronicle at the time. And I'll never forget that day and him talking about some of the theories. And, you know, this was right around the time when MOOCs were starting to become a big thing. And I came back from that meeting and I wrote this really long memo to my boss and said, you know, we're not covering most of this stuff. Um, and some of it fascinated me. And to be honest with you, some it frightened me. (laughs) Uh, as well as somebody who really kind of came up and covered traditional uh, higher education. But it was because of that memo then that a couple of months later, I stepped out of the role as editor of the Chronicle of Higher Education and ended up writing my first book,
1: uh, College Unbound. So, Jeff, I'm curious, what's something outside of your LinkedIn profile then? We're we're starting to get a sense of Jeff, the professional, but as we start to go down this journey together on Future You, I think I and the listeners would love something outside of your LinkedIn profile about you that uh, we'd love to know.
0: Well, believe it or not, I don't work all the time. I have a great family uh, here in uh, in Washington DC. I have two daughters who I absolutely love: uh, uh, Hadley, who's eight, and, and Rory, who's six. And and part of my passion about higher education is what's the future going to be for them, right? What is going going to be uh, going to be like? Uh, and the other thing I think I really love to do because it just kind of gets me away from people and thoughts is uh, I love to ski. Uh, I grew up skiing in, in northeastern Pennsylvania, which is really not mountains but hills uh, in the Pocono Mountains. But but it's something that we're I I kind of get away and am able to be by myself and have my thoughts uh, and it's something that I still enjoy and I'm hope, hopeful, keeping my fingers crossed, that I'm going to be able to get my daughters into it.
1: So I'm jealous uh, but, of that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm jealous of that. So I, I have two daughters uh, as well. Uh, And my uh, wife comes from a family of skiers. And when they met me, I had never skied before. (laughs) And so they looked at me like I was an alien, not liking winter sports and and, and winter weather. But I have gotten a little bit into it because of them not very well. But uh, I'd say my wife and I have become addicts of CrossFit uh, and and sort of the healthy wellness lifestyle that that promotes. And that's a huge part of who we are outside of work Mm -hmm. and trying to balance uh, family and create opportunities for healthy eating, healthy living, healthy working out and so forth. Uh, that infuses everything in our in our lives. And so that's something you won't find on my LinkedIn profile, but it's a pretty big uh, way I see the world.
0: Well, we're going to have to talk about how we could get the presidents and other senior officials fit, right, uh, in terms of their crazy schedules when they're on planes all the time and, and everything else. But it's going to be great to be joining you in this, uh, in this journey uh, of future you. We're going to be uh, talking to interesting people who are shaping uh, higher education. Uh, we're going to be uh, tackling a lot of different topics. Uh, you know, higher education is kind of a, as we said, earlier a kind of a fascinating industry we're going to be talking about admissions and finances and uh, and pedagogy and uh, technology which I know is a, a topic that you're uh, you're interested in and also alternative credentials and, and alternative markets uh, for, for higher education what are you most what are you most interested in trying to tackle in this so what's what subject do you think is going to be uh, is going to be something that is going to resonate with listeners or something that you think we're going to kind of kind of come back to? Often,
1: I think the future of liberal arts colleges is going to be huge, and I I mean that in multiple dimensions. Right? You can imagine both the curricular relevance for today's society. That's a big question a lot of people have, and yet a lot of people who are asking it themselves are the products of a liberal arts education. And so that paradox or that question, I think, is something we're going to come back to. And then the corresponding piece of it is the business model for a lot of those institutions that have been staples of not just their communities, but the American democracy, quite frankly. And what's the future going to be for that? Because I think for a lot of them, it's not going to be sustainable as they've always done it. And yet higher education has had this enormous capability of adapting over time. So what's higher education going to look like Uh, from a business model perspective, and who are the institutions 20 years from now? You
0: know, what's interesting about that, Michael, is that most people say, uh, you know, well, we're not really, you know, respecting the history of of higher education. And in, in the recent months, I've been really looking back at the history of American higher education in particular. And what's interesting to me is that the period that we're in now is very similar to a period in American higher education right before the American Civil War and the decades before that, right? You know, Yale in 1826 came out with a report saying, you know, defending the liberal arts against all these new institutions, that were growing up to basically teach people how to become engineers and and uh, other types of professions, you know. And then in the middle of the Civil War, President Lincoln signed the Morrill Land Grant Act, which created the land grant institutions, which really focused on you know mechanized farms and factories and teaching people how to get ready for those. So you know we've been having this debate between kind of the professions and the liberal arts for a very long time, and and it's really interesting to me. How back in the, you know, the 1840s and 50s and 60s, people were approaching that change with a lot of optimism, and it was a challenge to them, and they're really excited about starting new institutions and new ideas. And now when we talk about this, people approach it with fear, right? And they're, they're afraid of what they have changing. And it's just really interesting on in how uh, American higher education approached it back in that period and how they're approaching it now and why that is. Why do people feel this is such a threat?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be that entrenchment uh, uh, mindset. Uh, Digging deeper into that is going to be fascinating. And I think talking to the leaders and the faculty members and alumni even of a lot of these institutions who are seeing them go through these changes or fight these changes to get inside their psyches and understand why and what they're trying to drive toward, I think is going to be fascinating. And so I'm really looking forward to launching this podcast and uh, bringing some fascinating interviews and conversation uh, between the two of us that I hope uh, enhances those interviews uh, as we embark on this uh, journey of future you.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun. So we look forward to you joining us on a regular basis for future you. Thank you.